This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Straight up with no chaser. You're in the sports bar with Danger and Battaglia on the sports leader, 95.7 FM and AM 950 The Fan, Rochester. Got the NHL draft tonight from Nashville. See who the Sabres might be selecting if they stay at pick number 13. And we welcome in Steve Cordianos, the draft analyst. Always good with his time to join us as we've got an exciting night ahead of us. Steve, well, I mean, look, as far as drama goes with the number one pick, there isn't much drama with who the number one overall pick is. Tell us a little bit more about what the Blackhawks will be doing with Connor Bedard. Uh, I think they'll be doing what Pittsburgh did with Crosby back in uh, 05, 06. Uh, it was a big, you know, they were a bad team, uh, but they had a, I think Mario was still in the league. It was his last year, but they, they, they brought in some veterans like John LeClaire, and I think Bill Guerin was there. And so I think it's little by little, you probably see them uh, surround him with some halfway decent talent, but I, I, they're still in a rebuild. Uh, and uh, their GM, Kyle Davidson, has made that pretty clear. But at the same time, you can't have... Uh, you know, the, the fate of the season on on a 18 year old kid's shoulders. So uh, they'll they'll be uh, fairly uh, competitive, I guess. But the uh, expectation is going to be really really high. The one thing, one of the great things about Bedard is that he's been under this microscope for a long time and he keeps delivering. So there's really no reason to doubt that he won't deliver this year. Will he hit the 100 point mark? I don't know. Uh, but uh, he's just a lot of fun to watch. So at a minimum, uh, people in Chicago have a, a treat every time they go to the game. Yeah, Steve, it's a little refreshing that the Sabres actually don't pick in the top 10 this year. Progress. Yay. Yeah. Um, but as far as uh, beyond Chicago, so it goes uh, Anaheim, Columbus, San Jose, Montreal. That's your, that's your top five tonight. Like, how do you see this shaking out? Or, or could, could one of those teams actually move out of the top five? Uh, I don't see that happening. because That hasn't happened since 2008. Uh, I think when the Islanders traded out of it, uh, uh, like twice, I think they tried to trade it down from five to eight and then like eight to ten. So we haven't seen it in a long time, and there's really no reason for you to trade down, uh, considering that the, the, the big four, which is really now the big five, if you include Will Smith, uh, is that they, they, they had phenomenal seasons. There are no red flags. I mean, there's concern with Mitchkov and his contract. But, you know, like, you, you draft the best player available in that spot. You don't really, uh, you know, you should really care about what goes on in the ice first and foremost. And all these kids headed out of the park, uh, from Fantilli to Carlson to Smith to Mitchkov, and even further down the line to guys like Zach Benson and 
uh, Dalibor Dvorsky on and on the defenseman. Uh, so, it, listen, it, it's a really deep draft. We pegged this as the best draft class since 2015. Obviously, we have to wait for, uh, for that to, 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 uh, to shake out. But I, I still think that the teams in that range are not going to do a whole lot of anything. They're going to probably take players that one or two, three players in that range, like in that big five, and that's it. Like, they'll make that pick. They'll be happy with it. They'll be the centerpiece pick of their, uh, of their draft and potentially their prospect pool, and then and then we'll just see how the rest of it unfolds. Steve, best player available is what we hear from a lot of NHL GMs. We've certainly heard it from Kevin Adams. When they're picking at 13, knowing that they definitely have more of a need on the blue line than they do for another forward, if they do go defenseman at 13, will they indeed be selecting the best player available? I know it's impossible to predict what goes before 13, but you know, is that a tell if you're Kevin Adams? Well, well, full disclosure, I support everything that Adams and Fortin have done the last couple of years at the draft. So uh, I, I have faith in them that with the player that they take will, in fact, be the best player available on their board. Sometimes teams like to say, well, it's how the board fell. Well, if they say, hey, let's make our board defense heavy, it's going to happen. Uh, and they'll, they'll consider that defenseman the best player available. I agree with the idea that if a defenseman is taken at 13, he could be the best player available, right? So if you look at... Axel Sandin, Polika, David Reinbacher, um, the, the Russian kid Simashev is a beast. Uh, and then Tom Willand is a little bit more of a project, but uh, the, the other, those three that I mentioned are going to be in that anywhere from like the 6 to like 12, 13, 15 range. Uh, this was always a forward-heavy draft. We knew that heading in. Uh, and again, the forwards didn't really do anything wrong. So if you see defensemen getting picked, at four, five, seven, eight, it might be a little bit of an overdraft, and those teams are addressing need, which, of course, it's within their right to do that. But listening to Ford and Adams at the press conferences, uh, they're going to go for a home run swing. And uh, if they, it doesn't really matter if it's a left-shot defenseman or a right-shot defenseman. I think the, the, outside of Ryan Johnson and maybe the kid Komarov, they really don't have a whole lot. So I think they'll be killing two birds with one stone if they take a defenseman. Is it something or is it nothing? Uh, the fact that the real world here, uh, when it comes to these Russian prospects and this, the idea that this prospect that you, you would know way more about than us, I'm just reading about Mitchkov, um, might he actually fall or might any of these prospects fall here? Or is that just talk to try to get these prospects to fall here? What do you make here of the Russian prospects here uh, in this 2023 setting, Steve? Well, I used to think that it was just talk, right? But last year, it was actually real. Like, we saw Mirosnichenko and Yurov slip down into the 20s, which really shouldn't have happened. And even some guys that we had in the late first went into the third round, guys like Gleb Trikazov and Perevalov. Uh, the Sabres clearly didn't care because they went out and they drafted guys in my, like uh, Kizikov and Poltapov uh, right where we thought they should have gone. So, but I think with this year with Mitch Kovac, uh, he's a special talent. He set all kinds of records. He outproduced Bure and Ovechkin and Kucherov when uh, they were in the same uh, scenario in their pre-draft seasons. Uh, so, you know, the concern over, oh, well, we couldn't scout him, we couldn't communicate. You know, Ford came out and said, hey, we've had no problem talking to Russian prospects. And, in fact, he said that they've had it easier talking to Russian prospects than kids from other leagues uh, and how everything's kind of like on a player, player-to-player basis. Uh, so I think Mitch Korb is not going to be second overall like uh, I would like him to be. I think he should be. Uh, but you, you, could, you know, the teams have their right. They, they have a, every reason to be concerned that maybe three years would be too long for his contract uh, to expire and, and come over. But the kid's shown every indication that he wants to come to the NHL. I think he wants to prove himself with the Scott program first. 
And you're really getting, like, look at what Yuri Kulik did in the AHL this year. Like, it's not that bad if you're in the KHL for a couple of years. You get the kid when he's 21, he's going to be uh, ready to go. Just like Bure, when he showed up, just like Ovechkin, Malkin, these guys showed up uh, two, three years ex- uh, with a KHL or RSL experience. And, uh, you know, the, the team was better because of it. Steve Corneanos, the draft analyst, joining us in the sports bar danger in Bataglia with the NHL draft tonight. The Buffalo Sabres right now slated to pick at number 13. Steve, we'll always pay attention to what's going on with goaltenders. Are there any prospects that are turning your heads? How high do you think we could see a netminder go tonight? And ultimately with the Buffalo Sabres, and I don't know that I see the Sabres drafting a goalie tonight. I don't know that, but it feels as if they might need more of a veteran. And, and you know, how do you assess knowing that, you know, Devin Levi, a prospect, UPL, a prospect from a few years ago. How do you evaluate what the Sabres have done here with their goaltending position? They've addressed it. They've addressed it, and I know that they let, uh, they let Portillo go. And so when you, can make, uh, when you can make that kind of a move, remember a couple of years ago, if they made that move, we would have been a little concerned. But uh, with UPL, with Levi, obviously, uh, just taking huge steps forward. And then they got the kid Lanin in last year. They drafted him pretty high. So uh, there's definitely not a need for goalies, but this is the deepest goalie draft we've had in a long time. Mm. Uh, so I don't know if we'll see. I mean, you have a couple of teams who have multiple first-round picks that could definitely use goaltending help, so it wouldn't hurt to make that pick. But I think that the goalies, it's going to be like typical years where you'll see them uh, like late first, 20s, late 20s, into the, the middle of the second. So, you know, like Jake Ottinger was a late first-round pick. Vasilyevsky was a kind of a late first-round pick. There's no harm in doing that. Uh, there's really not, like, one goalie that just stands out above everybody else, like, miles ahead. But the Rabel kid who played for Omaha in the USHL, he's like a six foot seven Czech kid. He's, he's phenomenal uh, when you have that size and that kind of quickness. And he's, uh, you know, he could go from being calm to pulling the Dominic Hasek saves. So uh, he's, I think, going to be the first one off the board. But, you know, the Trey Augustine kid, uh, he's from Missouri. He's going to go to Michigan State. He won the gold for the Americans at the U18 Worlds. Uh, he had a knock on him that he wasn't a big-game goalie, but he, he came up huge in that tournament, and he kind of, like, um, put that narrative to bed. So I think he'll go high. And then keep an eye on this kid, Jacob Fowler. Uh, he was, uh, he's an American kid. Uh, he's going to Boston College. Boston College produced uh, Thatcher Demko and Spencer Knight. So he's like the next one in line. He led the USHL in every category in the regular season. Wins, goals against, safe percentage, and shutouts. And then he goes into the playoffs, he wins the MVP, and he allows one goal or less in seven of nine games. I have phenomenal work by this kid. Also won the World Junior A Challenge uh, in, in early December with Team USA Select Team. So this kid, I've I seen him ranked 150, 200. I don't know what they've been seeing. This kid's a stud. Uh, so uh, if the Sabres do want to go for a goalie, they, they could do that. They have picks in every round and two in the second. Uh, so I think they will take one, but they don't really need to because, like I said, you have Lanin in, UPL and Levi uh, uh, already there. And so with, maybe with the extra pick, they might trade for one. And, of course, it is a – you know, like they have to address it at some point at the NHL level. Yeah, it's Steve Coriano is the draft analyst uh, bringing it here in the sports bar. I want to ask you about one pick from last year and to kind of give you the context here, Steve. When Matthew Savoy certainly is going to be uh, you know somebody the Sabres are going to look to toward the future. Um, shows up in Rochester last year and look, he got two games here. It's it, you know couldn't really make a contribution in the in the play in the playoffs, but. Heck, next year, you know, we're all going to be looking at Savoy. What kind of player, like, if you could say, what did the Sabres actually get here in Matthew Savoy? 
one of the fastest skaters you'll you'll see around. I mean, this kid is explosive. He shot out of a cannon. And, you know, he plays. So the Winnipeg guys in each of the last two seasons were the best team in the WHL record-wise. And you can make an argument that they were, they were the best team in the entire CHL in each of the last two seasons. They just didn't, they didn't win it any, any championship in the, uh, in the postseason. But Savoy was their number one center. And he was their clear-cut, undisputed number one center. He put up a ton of points in each of the last two seasons. Uh, this year, I was looking at him because, okay, he's been drafted. He's been to the development camp. The Sabres already, you know, briefed him and uh, told him what they expect out of him. Uh, he goes to Winnipeg. He's on the top line with Zach Benson, who's going to probably be a top five or seven pick this year. And the two of them, in my opinion, were the two best, uh, was like, were the WHL's best one-two punch. Uh, and when they played Seattle, and so Winnipeg, they finally kind of got over the hump. They won their first two playoff rounds. Then they had to face Seattle. Uh, in the, uh, I'm sorry, in the, in, the, in, the, in the final. They reached all the way to the WHL final. And Seattle was a powerhouse. They have about like eight or nine NHL draft picks on it, and they play a really suffocating defensive style. So I was looking to see how Savoy's speed, if he was going to attack inside, was going to stay in the perimeter. And although Winnipeg lost, Savoy and uh, Benson were carving up that defense in, on the inside. They were getting uh, to all the key areas, and they're tough players too. Uh, so I think the Sabres, they probably like to draft Zach Benson if they had a, sh- if they had a shot to because the chemistry between them was ridiculous. But you know, Savoy's a high-end player. He's tough. He hits. Uh, but just the way that he could just slice through traffic while maintaining control. A lot of kids who are fast can't do that, but he does it uh, as good as anybody in junior hockey. So uh, you know, full year in the AHL, maybe two won't hurt. We've seen a lot of these kids uh, that put up big numbers in juniors come to the AHL last year you know, with other teams like, uh, what's his name, Eklund from San Jose, similar player, where he had a great year uh, with uh, the Barracuda. So I'm not, I, I, like, Savoy's doing exactly what was asked of him. Like, we just have to wait and see uh, what he does in a full season with, uh, with Rochester. Steve, uh, knowing what you know about the prospects, the youth of the team, um, the Buffalo Sabres started to look like a team that had playoff aspirations last year. Where do you set the bar on what, with what we know about this year's squad going into this season? What's the bar for the Buffalo Sabres in the East? It should be what the Devils did. It should be 50 wins and 100 plus points. I mean, like, there's no reason. If you look at, uh, you know, obviously Pittsburgh and the Islanders and Boston and Washington, they're, they're on the older end of the scale. Uh, but Boston just had a 60-plus win season. Uh, like, so I think you're going to see one or two of those teams fall down even further. I mean, just, just basically attrition. Uh, but the Sabres right now, when you have like one of the top three offenses in the game and you have enviable riches at every position and you have one of the top two best uh, prospect pools in the game, the Sabres have five first-round picks that haven't even played yet. Uh, and that's not even including Poltepol, who should have been a first-round pick. And they're going to add another one at this draft. So I think what we should expect, to be honest with you, I mean, I'm not the owner, I'm not the GM, but uh, look at what New Jersey's done. They've been very aggressive in the NHL uh, trade and free agent market. The Sabres have not. So it's a question of are they going to stay the course with the group that they have or are we going to see them kind of copy what New Jersey did and say, no, we have all these assets. Eventually these kids are going to get blocked. We've got to do something with them. So you could see them uh, become very active in the uh, in free agency in the trade market. But uh, you, you got to – it has to be playoffs or bust. Like they had the 90-point season. It was the first one since, I think, uh, 2011 with Ryan Miller and them. So why not, why not just you know, up the ante a little bit and go for it again? 
Yeah, Steve Corianos, our, our guest here in the sports bar. Steve, where you're based out of, what do you make of the Rangers here? They they kind of went in with the Kane and, and, and Tarasenko. They didn't didn't work out, but now you also have uh, the coaching change. So your thoughts here on Laviolette coming in, and hey, you got a good assistant, I can tell you, Michael Pekka joining the Rangers. Yeah, I think Phil Housley too. Uh, didn't I? I thought oh, I saw correct. Phil. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's like uh, Western New York and Downstate Connect. Uh, but no, I think uh, I think the Rangers are contenders. Their windows wide open. They have one of the best goalies in the game. They have one of the best defensemen in the game. They they, they have youth on their side. Even though some of that better players are a little bit older, but they're still producing. You can't count them out. A lot of good teams lost in round one last year. It was painful for them to lose to a rival like the Devils, but they're in pretty good shape. And they actually have prospects in the pipeline who could step in. The question is, do they address? The departures of Kane and Tarasenko by promoting Cackle and Lafreniere, or do they keep the kid line intact and then you go out and you, you add uh, veterans to fill that? You know, the cap is going to be a little bit of a crunch now because you've got to pay Keandre Miller. He's one of the best young defensemen in the game. Uh, but, uh, you know, salary cap isn't the best situation right now for them, but as long as you have that goalie, like we saw with them with Herrick Lundqvist, you have a 26, 27-year-old elite goalie, they could – uh, you know, move pieces around here and there. I think they'll always be in that window. So I'm not going to say it's Stanley Cup or bust, but I think the team's really upset about the way the season ended. Uh, and Laviolette, you know, he has that experience. He won a cup with Carolina. He took a Philly team to a cup that had no expectations. Um, uh, so and then and then Nashville as well. So he had this reputation, uh, but then again, he went to Washington and nothing changed. Uh, they actually regressed. So a little bit of concern there, but I think he's a pretty good coach. He actually played for the Rangers uh, back when he was like uh, uh, coming out of college. So uh, there's some familiar, familiarity there. But um, I, I like the move. But again, Rangers a lot of pressure on them, like a lot of teams. Boston uh, teams who had uh, first round flameouts, they got uh, questions to answer. Steve, uh, tell us about the draft analyst. You're good with our time, your time, and I want to make sure we give you time to talk about uh, your website and how in depth it is here going into tonight's action. Well, I'm on Substack now. I moved over from the live the blog to Substack, and uh, so it's a it's a subscription based site. You could have okay. a free one or pay one, but it's it's basically every day. It's daily content. I have mock drafts. I have rankings. I have player profiles. You know, this is a 12 month gig for me. I don't take breaks from covering prospects. Uh, so uh, this is like the culminating event. Uh, of course, uh, within about uh, about two weeks, we have the the World Junior Summer Showcase. So there'll be some Sabres prospects there. Uh, and then, of course, the Ivan Halenka, and the Halenka is the first look we have uh, draft season-wise for the next year, next year's crop, the 24 crop, which is loaded with defensemen. So that might play into what the Sabres do, because they can look and say, hey, listen, next year's draft, we could probably get a really good defenseman late in the first round if we have a good season. So maybe they go, like, take a home run swing for a forward if... Um, if that's uh, the case uh, when they pick at 13. Uh, whatever they do, it'll be the best player available. I can almost guarantee that. Uh, every time yeah, we'll absolutely. say that. Uh, Steve, great stuff. And let's do this uh, after the draft here. Have a good fourth. Enjoy all the action here uh, down in Nashville the next two days. Really appreciate your time today. You got it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. Steve Cornianos is the draft analyst. You can follow him at the draft analyst <laughs> on Twitter. I'm exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> that's a lot. There. Yeah. Yeah, if you didn't know anything about any of the prospects going into tonight, good thing we had Steve on with us to kind of clarify and get us on the right track. Well, knows his stuff. It's like we're kind of learning things. Like, I mean, shame on me for not knowing this. The idea that a team in the top five has not traded down since 2008. 
That's a stat. So, I, like, if the Sabres going to trade up, what are they going to trade up? Just a few slots? Yeah, trades are tough, man. Yeah. I mean, we live in a world of fantasy where you want to trade, you just make a trade. It, it doesn't work that way with these drafts all the time. It's not an easy thing to do. Well, in the NFL, sure. Like, you get teams moving up, moving down, moving back. I think part of this is the fact that, look, it's... It, it's it's a tougher sport, I believe, to evaluate. Some may disagree with me, but when you're bringing in prospects from overseas that you you're can't You're projecting see more than yeah, anything. Yeah, that's it. You're just projecting. You're hoping that the guy that you're selecting rounds out to be the player you hope he is in three, four, five years. Uh, looking forward to that tonight. Sabres pick at 13. The NHL draft from Nashville. Steve Cornianos, the draft analyst joining us in the sports bar. Some news and notes to get to from around the NFL next. We serve up appetizers here on The Fan. Odyssey has sports for every fan. Keep up with your favorite teams from across the country and get the inside scoop from experts. A-U-D-A-C-Y. Odyssey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.